Yanmar trying to get it towards the empty net. He dives. He scores. Hat trick. Game seven. Yanmar. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. And he comes, fakes. He scores. Mark Stone, shorthanded goal. Took the goal off its pegs, lost his stick, but more room to pump his fist. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Hanging out at the Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, VGK Insider Show, Millard, Wallace, Chapman, all having some fun with a poll that Ryan the Hockey Guy put out. Uh, Ryan Wallace uh, on Twitter uh, said that uh, he wanted to know who the audience would like to meet or hang out with, and it's a smoke show, baby. It's a smoke Mm. show. Yep. Maybe it just means that that I've only been here for a couple of years and people haven't had a chance to really get to know me yet and they want to meet me, but it's pure domination right now. Yeah, it was. Um, it wasn't that way until you retweeted it. But well, you, you know, tweeted it. Yeah. So, so I, no, I did. Like, so I'm not mad at you. So Darren, I, I kind of expected that would happen. Darren was crying before we went to break about anti-Canadian yeah. bias. I'm yes. the foreigner here. So he retweets it to his 144,000 followers. I would imagine a very large percentage are Canadian. So I'm yeah. going to cry about there being an anti-American bias now. <laughs> Vince Scully and I, we're, we're going toe-to-toe for most followers. Does he still but have you beat? That's, uh, I, I think he's just ahead of me. Uh, but I've tweeted on, more than out. Vin. I, I've no, tweeted no, no. more than Vin. <laughs> you do not. You do not tweet more than anybody. That's ridiculous. <laughs> you're terrible at Twitter. Yeah, you barely use your Twitter when you were in Tokyo. Everyone said to follow you on Instagram. I don't follow you on Instagram. So yeah, I, I do the the Instagram more than than Twitter. Right. I'll get back into Twitter once it comes uh, time for the hockey season. But sure. uh, Twitter is it's just toxic. Yeah, I I enjoy some <laughs> back and forth, but. Uh, I tend to try and stay off it during the uh, the off season. It just sucks up uh, a, a lot of your your energy. But we're back into it now. We're getting ready for a rookie camp uh, on ice session tomorrow. You can watch it on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, uh, the Golden Knights uh, social media channels. As the prospects will be on the ice at noon from City National Arena, and uh, we will have all the coverage uh, there on the VGK side, and then the team will go off to, with Manny Viveros and the Henderson Silver Knights coaching staff handling the uh, the reins, Friday night against the Arizona Coyotes, 7.30 on Fox Sports Las Vegas is the face-off time. Brian McCormick with a call there. They will then play Sunday, and on Monday at 11 o'clock, it will be the Vegas Golden Knights against the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, again, another broadcast. So Friday and Monday's games will be broadcast on Fox Sports Las Vegas uh, against Arizona and then the Los Angeles Kings, and then flip the page and... Some players will go back to junior. Some players uh, will go to Europe. Uh, some players will continue on to main camp. And uh, that will start uh, the next weekend. We get a good, solid uh, exhibition scheduled. Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace uh, with the top five at five today, hitting the number four spot. This is where we have a drum roll or something really cool. But uh, instead, it's uh, Chapman whining about uh, 
being anti-American bias in the dust. It's it's a bias towards Americans because people want to meet me more than uh, than him. Uh, we have uh, the number four spot for the biggest story of the season, both in the National Hockey League and then separately with the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, Wallace, let's go with the the Golden Knights side of it first. Uh, the number four biggest story for the VGK this season is. It's going to be Nolan Patrick's impact. It, it really, it's going to center around what the Golden Knights get out of Nolan Patrick this year and beyond. But, you know, we're focused in on this year. And I think that the the change, the, the, the decision to go and move on from Cody Glass and bring in Nolan Patrick and kind of what you're expecting and hoping for him is going to be a major storyline for the Golden Knights this year. I've said this before that I was wrong in saying last year was a make or break year for Cody Glass. I didn't think it would be. Yep. yep. But it just he never got on track and uh, he never found that that rhythm that allowed him to compete. Now part of that was no exhibition games and it was just a truncated season and you didn't have time to be patient or try things or or, or experiment with anything. And and then Cody coming off the the knee injury and he had the bigger body which I think will still pay dividends for him once he has the opportunity to fully be back and they the often hear I guess two years after an injury like that uh this will be we'll see what happens uh, with the Nashville Predators it was a make or break year uh for for Cody Glass uh with the VGK organization because Kelly McCrimmon and company were able to acquire the second overall draft pick uh in in Nolan Patrick that is an upgrade. You've got more experience. Uh, you've got uh, a, a guy that uh, a player that in Nolan Patrick that is uh, very familiar to Kelly McCrimmon because he coached him mm-hmm. in in junior in with Brandon Weekings, and uh, I think you have more uh, upside uh, there. Kelly knows exactly where this player can get to, and he was able to acquire him. I'm not sure the Philadelphia Flyers were eager to trade him to the Vegas Golden Knights, and that's why the Philadelphia Flyers didn't trade him. To the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, so it, it went through the, the Nashville Predators, and that is an opportunity now for Nolan Patrick. Is Nolan Patrick in the same situation now that Cody Glass was in last year? In the sense of, we expect big things to happen with Nolan Patrick, or is this more of a mystery about what? you're going to see from Nolan Patrick. So I I think when it comes to Nolan Patrick within this organization, within this team right now, you are at, at worst hoping that he is the guy that solidifies that third line. He is your third line center and he can give you a top nine that is a threat to score often all the time. And I think that that's where Nolan Patrick can thrive. I do think that from from a depth perspective, he gives you that that legitimate third line center. And you already know 197 games played in the NHL. The experience is there. We're not talking about a player that's trying to force his way into a lineup. We're talking about a, a player that's an NHL player right now. And I think that that's kind of the upgrade over Cody Glass in this moment. That being said, 
I think the the hope for the Golden Knights, and, and I would probably say most fans, is that Nolan Patrick finds his way and moves his way up into the top six, and that gives the Golden Knights another dimension. If he can find some chemistry somewhere else or just play himself into that situation, then that moves some things down and it just makes you a deeper team. So in terms of the pressure or what we're expecting, I know going into this season, I'm expecting a third-line center for Nolan Patrick. I'm expecting him to be able to jump up into the lineup higher if needed, if there are injuries. But I want to see him solidify that. And when Alex Tuck comes back, I want to see Patrick and Tuck and whoever ends up being on that other wing dominate in the third-line spot. Injuries and the the, the head, the migraines, uh, that's impacted his, his career. Missed a season. He's played three years in the National Hockey League. He is a player that is different than Cody Glass. I, I wouldn't say that Cody Glass, you look at and you go, high-end hands and skill. Yeah. Uh, I think Nolan Patrick is more rugged, more multidimensional, has, has more range to his game. Uh, still can be flashy, but the flashy title, I think, would belong to Cody Glass. This is a more traditional pivot. And, and I think that that suits kind of where the Golden Knights are at in terms of, of how they want to play the game. They want to hold the puck in the offensive zone. They want to get pucks to the front of the net, and they want to be able to crash and score goals in tight. In tight. So uh, from a stylistic perspective, it might just be a better fit for Nolan Patrick here with the Golden Knights. Back-to-back 13-goal seasons his first two years in the National Hockey League. Yep. I think he's a 20-goal guy. Yeah. Uh, can he get there playing third line? That that would be a challenge. Like 20 goals out of your third line center would be, uh, of, especially w- what we've witnessed out of the, the VGK third line. They, they've been so top-heavy uh, with how they've deployed everything the, la- the last uh, four years, uh, the, the four years that they've been in the National Hockey League. Uh, 20 goals would be an extreme improvement. Uh, but if, if Nolan Patrick checks in with a 15-goal season, right. 13 to 15, I think that is huge for this team. I will say that when you look at Nolan Patrick's progression this season, it would not be a bad thing if he started the season as the third-line center and mm-hmm. finished the season as the third-line center and got some power play time. Uh, I don't, I don't need to see him make the jump this season to a top two center Meisman on this team. No, he's not. He's sure. not passing William Carlson, uh, and but William Carlson, I would think, will stay with the Misfits. So if he doesn't supplant Chandler Stevenson this year, I wouldn't call that a bad season. If he can still produce in that third line hole. Yeah, I, I think you're you're absolutely right there. I, I mean, if, if if you've got Nolan Patrick as your third line center at the beginning of the year and the end of the year, then that is probably a good indication that your third line is producing and producing at a, at a good clip. And again, one of the things that we've talked about pretty much since the existence of this organization, this team, is Alex Tuck is is one of those guys that I think we all kind of look for to take that next jump, and. He's never really had a consistent center and a consistent set of line mates. 
if you can maximize Alex Tuck by giving him another player in Nolan Patrick to really gel and find some chemistry, and I know Tuck's going to be out at the beginning of the season, but if you can kind of find that line where you have a third line that's maybe like a second line on another team, then you're in a really good spot because that just that just means your top nine is very deep and you can find goals when you need them down the lineup. So where's the competition for Nolan Patrick? The competition is for Chandler Stevenson's spot. Mm-hmm. And then the competition comes behind him with Matthias Janmark maybe in the middle sliding over, or is it Nick Waugh trying to push for that third-line spot? I think Brett Howden will eventually be the fourth-line center uh, with this organization if if he can develop into the type of player that we've seen uh, in the past and was projected to be uh, when he was drafted out of the Moose Jaw Warriors uh, with the New York Rangers. Uh, but the competition in front of him is Chandler Stevenson. The the push will come from Nick Waugh or Matthias Janmark this season. That's pretty good spot if he mm-hmm. can outdistance now, I'm not writing off Nick Waugh by any chance because I think there's still growth there, big sure. growth in, in, in Nick Waugh. It's just the consistency. He was silent for a, a large stretch of last season and then yeah. blossomed. Can we get more of that blossoming side? And if he does that, then I think that changes things for, for the Vegas Golden Knights and gives you options to the positive instead of, what are we going to do to get this line going? And that's where I, I think is the big benefit for Pete DeBoer and company is you've got Yanmark, Waugh, and Patrick all vying for that middle position uh, with, with the third line uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. And it, that internal competition, is, is it, there's not a lot of it on this team. Uh, I think that's going to be a real important position to to give yourself that different type of matchup. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, it's interesting because on Monday when we opened up the phone lines, uh, one of the, uh, I think it was Papa Lou that said it's about potential, right? Yep. Like there's, there's a lot uh, riding for the Golden Knights on potential, but, you know, I'm looking at it from a little bit different perspective. I think it's about options. I think it's about the fact that right now Pete DeBoer in his bottom six has numerous options that he can run to, that he can show that might be able to get a different feel, a different look, uh, depending on what you need in a game or, or in a stretch of games. So I think with the Golden Knights, just flexibility and options are there on the table right now. And from a depth perspective going into this season, I I think that the Golden Knights are better equipped to handle injuries up the lineup. And I think they're better equipped to make sure that their bottom six can provide them some, some relief if you're not getting goals from your top six. Peyton Krebs should also be put into that mix of of competition. Although for it, if Peyton Krebs plays up this year and plays in the National Hockey League in a top nine situation, yeah, I think you're going to see him uh, play on the wall. And, I think so too. Yeah. But but if you can if you can mix him in, and you, you get Dadnov, you've got Yanmark, you've got Patrick, it, it just gives you more skill and more uh, opportunities to generate consistent offense from that third line with Tuck coming mm-hmm. and the power play, Patrick, Dadinov, Krebs, more opportunity, more 
uh, range with your team, skill set, uh, hockey sense, uh, uh, just flat-out uh, uh, abilities. And that, I think, gives you different things. It's not just about the third line. It's also about getting that power play going uh, significantly, where Nolan Patrick, I think, is going to be a pivotal part of that power play unit and some changes, not just tweaks. I think we're going to see some changes uh, in, in how that's uh, deployed this year. That's the uh, fourth most uh, important story, biggest story on the VGK front this year in our top five at five. From the National Hockey League angle, Ryan, what, what do we have? So it's the Seattle Kraken. This is a team that you know, is entering this year. It's their inaugural season. We all know what happened with the Golden Knights in their inaugural season. And I think the biggest question that I think a lot of people are going to have is how good can the Kraken be and are they getting kind of that shine from what the Golden Knights were able to do and is it fair? Is it just to the Kraken to compare them to what the Golden Knights were able to do in their inaugural season and that Cinderella run that we saw? At what point do the Seattle Kraken start to be compared directly to the Vegas Golden Knights first season? And it's easy to say now, but that's that's not accurate. Uh, I'm talking about wins, losses, performance, playoff contention. Uh, how much time do you give the Seattle Kraken? They're going to play their first seven games, I believe, uh, on the road uh, before they get to Climate Pledge uh, Arena and then go in. So that that's also different, too, and that's a challenge. And I don't think that that's um, something that should be overlooked as as a hurdle to get over. But when, how much latitude do you give Seattle before we go back to, uh, they're, they're, they're no Vegas? Or, boy, they're doing exactly what Vegas did. Hmm. So I, I kind of feel like that'll probably start to happen somewhere in and around the, the 15 to 20 game mark like if if the seattle kraken through the first quarter of the season are comparable in terms of their wins and losses uh, all that kind of stuff if they're comparable to where vegas is 15 to 20 games in or they're way off the mark i think that's kind of where you have the seattle's no vegas or seattle's doing exactly what the golden knights were able to do well that's virtually impossible to do at the 20 game mark (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to repeat what Vegas did. It yeah. It just the bar is so high with how that club broke from the gate. Uh so I I think it'll be it'll be a talking point more for the first fifteen games, Ryan. And then mm-hmm. I think it's gonna go away. Because Vegas got out to such a sensational kickoff to its first season and broke all the records and the five game mark, the ten game mark, the fifteen, twenty uh, you were you were seeing seeing all these every day was a no expansion team's ever done this uh, set a franchise uh, or expansion record for doing this. I, I think the separation is going to be significant enough because I don't expect the same thing to happen from Seattle. Uh, I am firmly on record with that that Seattle won't be in the same territory as the Vegas Golden Knights were in year number one. That it's going to wane. It's going Seattle will become its own entity because they won't be in the same type of performance uh, level of the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, I, I think it'll drop off more as the season goes on instead of picking up as the season goes on. 
Yeah, you're you're probably right there. And and you know, I'm so conflicted on Seattle. I, I don't know. Are you sleepless? That I. No, no, that's <laughs> that's a terrible terrible reference. Reference. What are you doing? Come on. <laughs> conflicted, not sleepless. Jeez, okay. this is ridiculous. Okay. I'm conflicted on Seattle because, again, as as I've mentioned with this team, I don't know who's going to score the goals. Like, I really don't. I, I I don't know who's going to be that guy or those guys that are going to step up and, and do what, you know, Jonathan Marchessault, William Carlson, right. and Riley Smith But we Smith said the did. same thing the you, night of the expansion draft with Vegas. You're 100% right. You're 100% right. That all being said, I just – I'm not sure – I, I'm in love or I like their offense. I think their defense is solid. I think their goaltending is going to be good. And I I don't have the highest of opinions of this division. So um, while I think the, the opportunity is there for Seattle to not be very good or not be as good as Vegas was year one, I still think that there is an opportunity for Seattle to make the playoffs. I, I do see that as a possibility and it's less to do with Seattle and more to do with this division. So Ryan, what is a successful season for the Seattle Kraken? Is it challenging for the division lead like Vegas did? Is it just having a good season and making the playoffs comfortably? Is it getting into the playoffs or is it just building your program the way every other expansion team did without having like a disastrous 15 win season. Yeah, I for me, uh I mean I think a good season for Seattle is is to be in that playoff hunt down the stretch. Like I don't I don't know that you want to be eliminated you know it, early on. I think that you want to be playing meaningful games into into April if you're the Seattle Kraken because regardless of whether or not it's fair, they're going to be compared to what the Golden Knights did. It's just going to happen. And while that might wane during the regular season, it's still going to be there. It's still going to be looked at, I think, as kind of a failed season if the Seattle Kraken don't find a way to get themselves into a playoff spot or if they're not fighting for a playoff spot down the stretch. So for me, I think they've got to be... They've got to be a winning team. They've got to be above 500. They've got to be a team that is playing meaningful games late in the season. I'll go with if Seattle is in contention for a playoff position after the Olympic break, mm-hmm. that's a success. If they're not, it's coming up short. But if they can be in the, in the mix after the Olympic break yeah, and – give themselves an opportunity. I don't, again, I don't think they're going to make it. Good on them if they do. I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to make it. But if they can be in the mix in in March, good on them. That's great. But, folks, I caution you. You can look at the expansion process in every sport and what's happened, or you can look at the expansion performance of the Vegas School of the Knights. So you have history all time yeah. or what Vegas did. Yeah. And a one-off with brilliance and being able to do it for the first four years. Nobody did it before what Vegas did. 
And I don't think anybody's going to do it after with, with what Vegas's performance was. So if, if you're looking at this, uh, I caution you, don't just look at it from the VGK perspective because what the Golden Knights did and have done is unprecedented. Uh, those are your top uh, stories. Top five at five, hitting the number four hole. Looking forward to number three tomorrow as we broadcast live from FanFest, VGK FanFest, over at the Downtown Entertainment Center, uh, over at the D. Looking forward to uh, to that. Been a couple of years since we've been there. And then we're going to settle something with, uh, with Ryan and I with a big joust. Have you been training? Have you been working on things uh, at all? No, like I don't getting need ready? to train. I don't need to train to beat you. Come Have on. you thought about it at all? Yeah. So what your strategy might be? There's no strategy. I'm just going to win. Well, he already told you his strategy. Yeah, that was dumb. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 going for the uh, the grand salami. Yeah, I'm swinging for the fence. Mind games, mind games. I'm going there's, right downtown. There's no there's no mind games here, Chris. I'm just going to win. That's it. Ooh. It is it is very difficult to play mind games with me. Because you kind of get lost up there. Well, that's <laughs> get not surprising. Shaking, rattle, and roll. Uh, when we continue, one timers, we've got some news uh, coming out of the National Hockey League to tell you about as we continue on the VGK Insider Show live from Fox Sports Las Vegas. Brought to the near wing. Big shot, he scores! It's time for one timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game on the VGK Insider Show. We have news from the Vegas Golden Knights uh, signing to announce uh, the team releasing that uh, Dylan Coughlin has a new two-year contract worth an average AV of $762,500. Dylan Coughlin, the defenseman uh, under contract for the next two years, he appeared in a career-high 29 games last season. Remember uh, the big performance uh, against the Minnesota Wild. Dylan Coughlin, right on the edge, like, and this is a guy that we talked to on Nighttime at Noon uh, with Gary Lawless a couple of weeks ago. He has a look about him right now and a focus about him where he doesn't want to be the swing guy up and down. He wants to be the guy in the lineup to make that step like we saw from Zach Whitecloud and uh, like we saw from Nick Hag the last couple of seasons. He is looking to make the National Hockey League roster as a full-time NHL this year. Yeah, you're 100% right. He got a taste of it last year. He was uh, one of those players that I think, you know, you look at what he was able to do, scoring the hat trick against Minnesota, that was fantastic. But also his willingness to play and do whatever the coaching staff needed him to do. He played up as a forward in, in countless games because the Golden Knights were up against it. And I think that, you know, just the, the, the ability and the willingness to do whatever you can to help your team win is going to go a long way. And I, I'm excited to see Dylan Coughlin a year better and more comfortable at the NHL level and, and really see what he can do here with the Vegas Golden Knights come, coming into this season. He's getting in in gear, aren't they? Yes. He also you changed want me to explain his... this to you on yeah. the air? Yeah, please. Okay. So it's a gear. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the, the so the new emoji for Dylan Coughlin is a gear. Gear. And Darren, what did what did you say to me? I said, what, did, I, what did you ask me? What is this? What is that? Because, more because my eyes are bad. I was trying to to yep. like make it sure. bigger on my iPhone. Mhm. Didn't look like an actual yep. gear, but it is it is it is well, a, it's gear. a gear. Cogs. Like a cog. Like a cog in the machine. 
Yeah, like Cog. in the Jetsons. Coglin. Mr. Spacey's yeah. rival was Cogswell Cogs. That's one of the worst clarification. <laughs> but it's a cog. Ever. It's a gear. Spacely sprockets and Cogswell cogs. Using I, I a reference to a cartoon I that I'm almost too young for. Oh. Come on. Yeah, I don't know what's it's worse. A classic. The Jetsons. I don't know what's don't worse. Go the there. Jetsons don't go there. Don't go there. Sleepless in Seattle. Oh. It's impossible. They're both terrible. What year was the Jetsons based in? I don't even know. Maybe Look 20. It up. I will, yes. No, no because, it's fine. I'll, I'll do it. Because none of that stuff's happening. None of it. Not the well, maybe the robot dog. Uh, I got I got bad news. <laughs> what? It's only forty one years away, twenty sixty two. So any of that stuff gonna happen? No, I don't think so. Maybe the robots. Yeah, I'm with you in the robots. By the way, remember we were I mean, talking. The robots the other... are already here. Yeah. But... The uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, we were talking about the one set shows, shows <laughs> that were just located on one simple set. Yeah. Uh, Sanford and Son. I think it was Papa Lou. Yeah, that, that was a good show. I love that, that show. That was, that was a, a really good show. Uh, everything's uh, too complicated. That, that's an old reference uh, for everybody, a show that uh, Ryan Wallace wasn't a part of. So we'll get back to uh, Ryan Wallace now. Uh, Dylan Coughlin, uh, under contract for the next two years. Uh, there's a guy. There's a guy. With the power plays not going good, you put him in with, with that shot. Not just the, the yeah. hat trick. That, that, that's an aside. I just think that he can generate some stuff from from the back end with that shot. Yeah, I think so. I, I you know, I, I think that you're you're obviously looking at at you know the Alec Martinez and the Shea Theodore and the Alex Petrangelo yeah. to kind of be those guys for you. But as we've talked about with the Golden Knights, options are important. Options matter. And you're right. If there's if there's a dry spell with the power play, and you've got the option of putting Dylan Coglin in, maybe for 30 seconds at the tail end of a power play to get one of those shots through, I think it's a great option to have if you're Pete DeBoer and the coaching staff. Cogs is signed. <laughs> uh, he's signed to the two-year contract that leaves Nolan Patrick uh, out there. Uh, he's yep. not the only RFA. There's there's all these restricted free agents out there. Mm-hmm. Patterson. A Hughes, Kachuk, and everybody's kind of bunched up. I, I don't think they should be looked at as individuals like the Hughes, Pedersen, Kachuk, Patrick. I think everybody's sitting there going, what's Kaprizov going to sign for? And when Kaprizov signs, you'll see all these other contracts done within 36 hours. It's just that nobody wants to sign before Kaprizov, who's got the most leverage of anybody, inks that contract. Well, that that looks really, really good for me and my over/under on how many restricted free agents are not going to be at camp. So, what did you say? Three? I said I, you put it at two and a half. Yeah. And I said I said over. Over. Yeah, over yeah. for sure. Uh, we are talking about uh, some critical dates in the National Hockey League calendar. This season's going to be a little bit wonky, but more traditional. Uh, the The NHL is actually looking, though, at the National Hockey League draft being held, which is normally the third week of June. But because the season could be pushed back and, and you're on such a tight schedule after the compacted schedule, jam schedule after the Olympic break, 
that if you had any type of pause in your season because of, of COVID, there's not much wiggle room uh, to, to finish the season the way you want to finish the season in a, in a traditional time frame of, of late June. So now the draft, which is usually uh, that third week of June, uh, is being pegged in and around the second week of July, July 7th, and having a one-day draft. It's been a two-day draft for forever now. Uh, mm-hmm. with the, the first round being held on a Friday night and then the second round uh, through seven on Saturday. Uh, so the National Hockey League may for this this one year uh, do a one-day draft on Thursday, July 7th, and having it uh, a one-day draft. Now, that would be interesting because the first round is normally in prime time. Sure. And now you, you can't do that on a Thursday and then hold the next... <laughs> <laughs> oh, like the rounds two through seven are fast. But that would yeah. make like a nine-hour, eight-hour draft. Sure. Would you would you still do it in prime time, or would you maybe start like at six o'clock Eastern, three o'clock uh, Pacific? Just trying to that's think for television. Probably, yeah. Yeah, that's probably the the wiser choice to to start it a bit earlier. Um, that's where I'd go. Yeah. What about teams like? Because uh, there's so many teams that don't even have picks year to year in the first round. Uh, I wonder if everybody would like just to have it get over with or whether you like having the first round and then doing a reset and, and coming back. I'm I'm just kind of thinking out loud there. What would, what would you rather do? Have it all in one night or do you like the spectacle of the primetime first round, 32 picks there, and then coming back for rounds two through seven? So for me, mm-hmm. when it comes to something that that can be very long and when it comes to a process that uh, has has been known to to just be one of those things where you, you get into the third and fourth round and and it's a lot right i would prefer to just kind of soldier through I, I would go in and i would say okay i've got 12 hours and i've got six rounds or seven rounds and i'm going to just go through it I'm going to make my selections, and then tomorrow I'm going to take a nap and, a, and and sleep for 15 hours. So I'd rather just kind of blow through all of the rounds at one time. I would do it in one fell swoop. I like uh, having two separate days because it gives your first-round picks uh, more of a stage, and you can get all that done uh, from a media aspect and, and letting the fans know who you drafted, who the VGK took in the first round, and then yeah. you can uh, break it down. Rounds two through seven, and the uh, the second day of the draft uh, on day number two, just just gives you a little bit of separation, more of a spotlight on that high profile first round pick. Uh, something came out of Edmonton, and it's Connor McDavid saying, "One, the time is now. They've got to make like a step." And Toronto, Edmonton, kind of in the same mix of of trying to break through with those superstars. But something else uh, during a conversation with Connor McDavid uh, surfaced, and it's the fact that while he was in the top five of drawing penalties last year, and he should be because he's so fast, uh, there's a feeling like there's some meat left on that bone that he should be drawing even more penalties. And he said, a penalty is a penalty. Uh, His general manager, Kenny Holland, said, a penalty is a penalty. We'd like to see it. It called that that says nothing to the fact that the standard changes when you get to the Stanley Cup playoffs. And he didn't draw a single penalty in that uh, first round loss to the to the Winnipeg Jets last year. Do you, do you think he's got something there or is it 
a player, a superstar, just saying what every superstar Wayne Gretzky past has said. Uh, I need to get more calls. So, Connor McDavid should absolutely every single season lead the NHL in penalties drawn. Because quite literally, every single time he's on the ice, somebody commits a penalty on him. It's just, it's it's impossible to legally keep up with Connor McDavid. You just can't do it. He's Unless you slash it at him and you miss because you're too slow. Well, there, there's, okay, that's, that's fair. Yeah. But then, you know, the next guy that, that's behind you will probably get him with something. My point is, you can't slow him down within the rules. You can kind of play to that line and once you cross the line egregiously multiple times then maybe you'll get called for a penalty but the point is you have to understand that Connor McDavid is just on a different level he is faster than everybody else he is better than everybody else and it's not hard to watch him play to realize and see how often he draws a penalty on just one shift it's absolutely ridiculous that he doesn't get the calls I don't know why he doesn't get the calls but he should be getting all the calls because he's just that much better than everybody else. We're going to talk about this when the VGK faced the Edmonton Oilers this season. Mm-hmm. Probably every time we'll bring yep. this quote back up and we'll we'll start tracking how many penalties he's drawing. Because I think this is brilliant, uh, brilliantly situated for the Edmonton Oilers. You're not doing it after a game. You're not calling out two officials who will be spotlighted for not making those calls in a in a performance that didn't go right for the Edmonton Oilers. There's there's a it lessens the accusation that it's just whining and it it strengthens the argument that it's a legitimate uh, fact that he should be getting more calls. And I, there's you do this mid-season, I think it backfires on you. And you don't sure. get the calls. You do this right now before training camp when uh, it, it gets so much attention because there's not a lot going on that uh, I think I think it benefits the Oilers in, in, in a big, uh, big way. I think this is well-timed. I, I think it makes sense to kind of do it when there's not really much else going on in the hockey world right now, but you're also in a position where you're not singling out um, one or two or four or five referees. You're, you're just kind of speaking to to the overall landscape of how penalties are called in the NHL. So um, I'd like to believe, I really would, that Connor McDavid's going to start getting the benefit of the doubt and he's going to start getting some calls that ordinarily he wouldn't get. But I have to see it to believe it. And right now, I think that you know, status quo in the NHL is superstars don't really get the calls they should. And at the end of any type of game, any any game at all, uh, your penalties are going to be plus minus one or even. So um, we'll see what ends up happening. But I'm optimistic, cautiously so. We've done eight shows. I have no idea which one of the eight shows it was, but we uh, threw out there that the Arizona Coyotes, with all their draft picks that they've accumulated, mm-hmm. should be making an offer sheet to somebody. Like, yeah. They go out there. Well, now there's talk that they, they might be looking at it right now. Uh, but to Robert Thomas of the St. Louis Blues, Why? which which actually isn't a bad Listen, thing. Like it's, Robert Thomas is a good player, and if you yes. can do that, then it's 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 just not as high profile as we thought. Maybe with a Hughes or a Pedersen or uh, somebody of of that ilk. Okay, 
this is nothing against Robert Thomas because I, I'm with you. I, I think he's a good player. But Matchbox you're in the, 22. You, yeah, a smooth exactly. signing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, but here's the thing. <laughs> I, I just can't wrap my head around the idea of not throwing your name in the hat for Elias Pettersson or Quinn Hughes because or Brady Kachuk even because those guys I think are are the types of players that when you look at where the Arizona Coyotes are right now and where they want to get to you get there a lot faster with an Elias Pettersson a Quinn Hughes yeah. or uh, you know or a Brady Kachuk than you do with a Robert Thomas honestly Again, nobody's put the squeeze on Vancouver with those two players unsigned and and they should. And, yeah. and it's like the Coyotes have the money and they have all the opportunity in the world to really, really, really put the Vancouver Canucks in a bad spot with a high offer sheet on one of those two players. And each one of those players would be worth it. Uh, I think it would be a good move with Robert Thomas. I think he's a really good player. I think he will help you when you eventually turn it around. Uh, I, I don't... Uh, dispute the uh, possibility of an offer sheet, but if I'm Arizona with all that cap space and all those picks, I'm going after a bigger fish. Uh, those are your one-timers for this Wednesday, September 6th on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. We will be there tomorrow, downtown event center, the D Las Vegas uh, event center. Looking forward to it with Fan Fest tomorrow, 4 o'clock until 6 o'clock. Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas, live on location. Uh, Fan Fest starts 5.30 and goes until 7. So come and hang out with us when you first get into Fan Fest and then enjoy all the festivities. Uh, with uh, Hanging out with your Golden Knights hasn't happened in a while. So looking forward to it. Ryan Wallace and I will be on hand over at the D. Uh, Chapman, what do you got for us? Do you guys have Netflix? Yes. Ryan? Yep. Anyone who has Netflix, I watched something last night that I am suggesting everybody, it doesn't matter if you're a hockey fan or if you're a fan of the Sopranos, it's called Untold, and it's the story about this minor league hockey team called the Danbury Thrashers, or Trashers. Trashers. Trashers, yeah. I had never heard of them. My cousin said, look, you got to watch this, and it was a UHL franchise that was bought by a guy who was basically the real-life Tony Soprano, ran a trash business and was in the mob, gave the team to his 17-year-old son and allowed him to build this team. And basically, it was the WWF of hockey. They had guys on this team who were amassing 400 penalty minutes in a season. They were literally beating up every team that they would play. It was a fascinating story. I, I, and now, the, this is an old documentary that's just resurfaced. No, no, it's 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 a brand new series called okay. Untold. They have one about the Malice in the Palace. They have one about Marty Fish. Because my uh, buddies uh, from Britain that I was working with at the Olympics, yeah, they both, the two of them, sent me a note about the Danbury Trashers on yeah, back to back days. So I it think, must have just hit the. Yeah, it it just it just came out in 2021 the the series, but Mike Rupp who scored the winning goal for the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, been on the and show before. He he actually played for this team because they came into existence the year of the lockout, the the, the year oh. of the canceled season. So they they wanted to sign a, a, a goal scorer, and the kid who, who basically ran the team 
was a New Jersey Devils fan, and they went out and they signed Mike Rupp. The, the first signing, they have the introductory press conference, and they're talking about who the player is, and it's a name everybody knows. Don't give away the whole series. Well, I'm not, but it's it's kind of funny. <laughs> the first player the team signed was Gretzky. Brent yeah. Gretzky. Beautiful. So... I highly suggest. Look, if if you're, it, it's cool because even on his wall, he has a picture from James Gandolfini. It says "To the Real Life Tony Soprano," and it's autographed by James Gandolfini. Hmm. It's it's so fascinating. I was I, I gotta ask Mass Pacioretty about this because he's from that area of Connecticut, and he was a teenager when this team was playing. I wonder if he went to any of those. Don't Danbury. ask him like after a game or no, anything. No, I would you, never you, ask him. Your timing <laughs> tends to be a little bit. I never ask guys goofy questions after games. It's always real. It's it's like uh, before games or before. Well, when, the Pete when, DeBoer talking about the dessert and then the Christmas music. That was not. That was on the show. That was on I the know, show. But, but yeah. after he said he didn't like Christmas well, music, and then you asked him what his favorite Christmas song was. I have my my next question lined up for Pete. By the way. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I can't wait to tell him. I got. I got to ask Max. I got, I got to find out. Did he go to any of these games? Was he part of Section 102? Tomorrow, VGK Fan Fest 2021. Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard will be out on location downtown Event Center at the D. Four until six. Uh, Fan Fest 5:30 to seven. Shane Knighty will be on the show with us tomorrow. Uh, also, Dan Duva back in town. He'll be on the show tomorrow. Looking forward to it. And we continue our top five at five. Thanks for listening today. The podcast, if you missed anything, will be up in a matter of moments.